It's not for fame or fortune that most deem necessary. No, I invest to don a crest for work less ordinary. Nor be it want of medals, cap or polished shoes, but a calling to help others who have everything to lose. To face hell's dancing angels and suppress them with each stride. To search resolve from deep within as loved ones weep outside. To stand with pride and dignity as comrades we remember. Be it pipes lament that fill sad air or silence in September. And may those names that have been etched in brass or granite stone haunt me in the darkness so I never fight alone. And if a colleague's head hangs low from tasting tragedy, let me offer up my shoulder for them to lean on me. But when amazing grace is played, alas, for none but me, lower the flag, but raise a glass, for I'm not far from thee. I'm gathered with the old flames, looking down from God's great height, on call if aid be needed to join you in the fight. Welcome to the Fit to Fight Fire podcast, and today I'm with a very dear friend, Rick George. Uh, Rick has impacted my life greatly. I don't think he realizes how much and how deeply uh, I appreciate him being there for me when I went through a difficult time at my previous department. He was somebody that I reached out to, uh, shared several things that I fall back on today with the uh, season I'm in right now, another challenging season of life. And what we're looking forward to today, uh, Rick has a story. It's inspirational. Uh, it has some darkness to it. It has some uh, parts where it shows that God uses broken men throughout the Bible. He takes broken men and he uses those men to do his work. And I think that's what you're going to hear today uh, from my good friend, Rick. So, Rick, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, John. It's been a long time, man. We are, we are way, way overdue. I'm really excited about your new format. I really man, am. It's, uh, it's been something that I have had on my heart for a while, and I feel like so many of us in the fire service lean on our relationship with Jesus. It's the foundation of why we're able to do what we do, the extraordinary things we do, the things we see, smell, hear, that most people will never experience. Um, the reason we're able to do that and come out the other side is because we know ultimately who's in control. And what I'd like to do, man, is I'd like you to kind of start from the beginning in the sense of, you know, I know you had a, a, a season of life starting out where you had some challenges, you had some dark times and, you know, go back as far as you want, as far as you feel uh, we need to hear to kind of get that perspective of how uh, Jesus came into your life and, and what that means for you today. That's that's exactly what I want to do. I want to talk about uh, the old Rick and then how um, coming coming to be, you know, reborn as a Christian and giving my life to Jesus, how how that has impacted my life, how that has changed him. So early on I was uh man, I was just born into a a Cuban Catholic family. You went to church, you know, and God was fire and brimstone, bro. I was. I went to a private school, a parochial school. I was. Uh, I joked that I was beat by the best nuns and priests in the business. But back then, you know, they had a yardstick. They had a freaking, you know, 
usually the history book was the thickest one. And you got whacked in the head if you, like, you were nodding out, not paying attention or anything. It was all very, uh, man, it was just, it was, it was very difficult for me to accept that that was my God. I was an altar boy. I saw what the priest was like. Um, I saw what, you know, the things that happened. And even though I couldn't put a name to it, it wasn't working. Um, and I, I, uh, I turned my back on it. If that was God, I want nothing to do with it. And, uh, and that was it. And listen, and I'm not putting down Catholicism, just to get that straight, okay, for anybody that's listening. This is my story, it, which happens to be my experience, which is just like going to different Catholic churches. There are some that are, like, living it. They're doing it. And there's others that aren't. It, it's always the people that are fallible. It has nothing to do with the religion, okay? And, yeah, for those of you that want to get into the minutia that religion was man-made and this and that, you know, so, so is every interpretation that we have in this world. It's all through man's eyes. It's through man's head. You know, it's through, they, they talk about the heart. Well, what we're going to talk about is the Holy Spirit. So, the, and that's the game changer. Um, so growing up, because I turned my back on that, uh, I viewed it as a weakness also, because it was, uh, I mean, the experience that I had in a religious upbringing with the men uh, it, it's they were not gay, but they were feminine. Um, they were not like they, they didn't have this, you know. Had they had that, maybe my influence would have been different. And it, if there's no video, I just I'm talking about muscular, strong men, men not necessarily muscular, just freaking tough guys, you know. And um, <laughs> it was not that. And uh, I elected to turn left at the intersection. And started hanging out with the crowd that allowed me to, uh, I was also really insecure, right? So I, I was, you know, I was very self-conscious, you know, and, and I was just never comfortable in my own skin um, until I found drugs and alcohol and I could be anything I wanted to be. Whew, that was a, that was like a cure, you know, and, and I was like, I am home, you know. I start smoking weed and drinking. And started off with beer, progressed to hard liquor, progressed from smoking weed to smoking base. Uh, we didn't have crack back then. We had base cocaine. Um, cooked it yourself with baking soda. Um, it, it, everything was uh, everything shifted gears and it went from using to smuggling uh, to dealing to smuggling to dealing to just a night. I was 138, 142 pounds. At 5'10", I'm currently 210, probably 10%, 11% body fat. Um, I, I, I was, uh, the, the, the gun that I drug around way more than I did. Um, I was broken. Uh, had several friends that were murdered. Uh, my best friend was murdered in a home invasion for $5,000 a year. You know, the, the lifestyle, to give you an example of the lifestyle that we lived, we had to empty his apartment out. I had to go to his dad. Uh, my best, my other best friend, Manny, who's dead now also from lung cancer. Um, uh, Manny, myself, and a good buddy of ours, Russ, uh, went to his dad and told him, oh, so we got to clean Joe's apartment up and empty it out. And he was, he just lost his son. I was like, what are you talking about? 
And we're like, if we don't clear this stuff out, as soon as the tape comes off the door and the windows and the police release this, they're going to break in and they're going to steal everything. That is the lifestyle. If you think that there is some form of bond, uh, like, uh, I don't know, trust or, or how we take care of our bullshit, that lifestyle doesn't happen. Um, Men don't come to your rescue. Uh, you may have a couple of close friends, you know, that, that will react like that. But for the most part, it's for all the wrong reasons. I, my best friend's partner is executed. It blew his fucking brains out, you know. Another friend of mine pushed in front of a train. Another shot in the chest, point blank with a shotgun. All of this was drug and money related. All of it. Um, okay, so... Fast forward, I, I get sober, and after I, I, I get sober, I have to go to this, this treatment facility. It was just the oddest thing in the world that I've ever been in. I remember calling my dad after like the second or third day, and I'm like, Pops, you got to get him out Because he's the one I went to to tell. That was very difficult for me to tell him. You know, I had a problem. He knew. Everybody knew that. I was the only one that was in town. Everybody knew. I was like, oh, he's, he's a mess. He needs help. I'm like, I'm good, I got this, you know, which is a recurring thing through my whole life. I'm good, I got this. Um, so I told him, I said, you got to get me out of here. I think you're trying to raise this. He said, son, your brain don't need a washer. You need to throw a scrubber. And I was like, it still didn't make sense. And then uh, this place that I was at, they would talk about things like hope and joy and faith and um, it it was embarrassing because the only way that I recognized those things were as women's names I really didn't know what those words meant I had no idea I had no idea what the word honor meant I didn't I didn't know what love was you know, I got put on the spot one time because I used to always say oh I love that I love this I love that I love this the person said uh I don't think you know what love is. I'm like, it's when you really like something. They're like, no, that's life. You know, I'm like, okay, well, it's when you really care for it. And they go, no, that's caring. And I got frustrated. I got angry. This is the only emotion I knew. You know, it was either elation or just rage. And, uh, you know, after a while, I, I finally come to terms with the fact that <laughs> love is not a man. It's a girl. It's something that we do. You know, it's something that can foster. It's something that we can show to people through all those other virtues that we describe. Um, but it, it was this education. And the only reason I'm saying this is because if you don't understand the context of where we're going with this, I, I went from foundationally, we talk about a brotherhood. We talk about a paramilitary um, a paramilitary line of work. We, we talk about SOGs, we talk about rules and regs and protocols and all these things. It requires a, a discipline, you know, this is, and it's a self-imposed discipline. Discipline, not like you're getting time off for showing up late for work. You know, this is a, a, a responsible position. And um, this was my education into what all that meant. And even with that, I came from, you know, I, I, I come from a great family. I, we don't. There wasn't abuse, alcoholism, any of that. 
until I came along, you know, and uh, as I get older, I see it in our family at the time. I did. And so when they asked, you know, do you have a business growing up? No. Why? No. Nobody. So in this program that I'm in, um, I did, this is, uh, where are we at? September? Two months. Two, a month and a half. God willing, in a month and a half, I will, I'll be celebrating 36 years so. You know. And uh, so I, uh, you know, I got sober at 29. I joined the fire service at 33, um, which that number keeps popping and we'll come back to that. You know. 33, I'll, I'll just address it now. 33 happened to be how many years of age I was when I got hired. In the fire service, I got sober at 29. I got hired at 33. Ended up at station 33. Um, 33 happens to be the number of years that I spent playing. His ministry was three years long, um, and it, it and it just it continued. I'm wearing the shirt right now. It's a, my old firehouse T-shirt. Um, so uh, I I I get sober and I go through this whole thing where I meet this woman. And we get married and we have children. And, uh, man, it is a contentious relationship. It is to the point where I am not arguing anymore with her about how to raise the children, how to do this, how to do that. I'm just going to do it. You know? and so when I'm with the kids, I treat them completely different than, you know, she wanted and this and that and all this. And, and I was kind of viewed as harsh because I was the disciplinary. You know, and, you know, the spare the rod, spoil the child thing. And, and she was more of a hands-off in the beginning. Um, but uh, we fast forward after the third child, um, we, we, we go through a, a personal family issue that I really don't want to discuss and involving my children in school. And... Um, you know, there was a time where I used to share this stuff, but the time now is that my kids listen to this now. And I'll have the right to expose what they've been through because they're adults. And even though I'm okay with it, they may not be. Right? So um, it was bad enough that it altered the course of the life of everybody in our family, all five of us. Um, one of us is still not on track, my ex-wife. Um, and then the other four of us have come full circle and are closer than ever. So that uh, that point in time, I was in the fire service, and I was um, in Florida. Uh, it's a hybrid system where you're uh, EMS and fire. It's combined. So when we say rescue, it's, it's an ambulance, but you do rescue function, which is odd because the most junior guys are on rescue. And the ones on the fire ground doing rescue, right, are, you would want to be the most skilled. You're doing all truck function, in and out truck, you know, and, and it just never kind of made sense to me. But I enjoyed it because I was on the rescue and I was good at it, you know. and um, so, but you're also the busiest, so you don't sleep. And uh, I finally got promoted up and took the driver's test and got promoted to driver and uh, ended up at 33, which is, um, I probably pumped. I, I fought more fire than I pumped. 
I, it was strange. Second, third dude would pull up. I'm like, hey, man, you want to take over the panel? They're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. I'm out. I go see the IC, hand them my tag, follow the hose, join my crew. And they were like, they'd look at me like, what took you so long? I'm like, oh, second dude got delayed, you know, or third dude got delayed. And then guys started catching on to what I was doing. So then I ended up pumping me. But, but um, while I was on the job, uh, and it coincidentally had to do with the family. So this is where I want to transition into how uh, my being, you know, reborn, um, being a born-again Christian has uh, really impacted my life. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't, when, when, when the divorce came, I had to move out of my house and all this, and, and I, I couldn't sleep, and I had all, all of, let me just say that all the signs and symptoms from PTSD started manifesting. It wasn't because of the divorce. It's because my family was my foundation. And it's the thing that kept me held together. When that foundation got torn apart, I was left with, uh, after literally, after about a year and a half, uh, I refamiliarized myself for the second time in my life with the taste of the I had a moment of clarity about my children. And I know what that was. That was the Lord intervening, and and like kind of like, yo, what the hell's wrong with you, idiot? Do you not see where you're going? Let me help you. And so he started revealing more aspects of how that would work. And but there 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 comes a point in time where we have to be broken, right? So. I want to go back to what I talked about in the Catholic school about thinking that it was um, like the effeminate and this and that. I, I always thought that about Christianity only until I became a Christian did I realize that the people, let, let's just talk about the apostles. If the apostles were the equivalent of longshoremen, MMA fighters, prostitutes, thieves, murders. And I was like, oh, I never knew that. See, because Jesus didn't come here for the rich, for the famous, for the well-to-do, for the all about it together. He came here for the sick, for the broken, for the infirm, for the liar, the cheat, the thief, the murderer. Um, and and that, that was his lot. And I was like, oh, I can't dig this guy. Because I'm all busted up, screwed up, you know, I've been shot up, shot at, and shot down, and I'm like, all right, I might be able to fit into this group. And um, and they weren't little guys. Long, if you go look at a longshoreman, don't stare too long. If you're going to go look at an iron worker or somebody that works construction, they've been doing it for a while, or a bricklayer, or a mason, or something, don't stare too long. You know, if you if you're, if you're walking down a bad neighborhood and you see some people that look suspicious, don't even try to stare. Okay. These are the people, you know, and if you're going to stare at a prostitute, you're going to lose money, all right? So it, this is, these are the people that he changed and he was surrounded with. This is why, you know, the, the tax man, the people like that. And and, um, and and so when I became a Christian, I understood, oh, I have this all wrong. 
and my foundation was my family. What happened when that foundation got broken? My whole world imploded. So I realized that I had been doing so many things wrong. My foundation should be my state because then no matter what happens in my life, I'm good. I'm good, and I have the ability to be able to hold whatever I have together. What I mean by that is my family. So um, the, the fact that if I am following the rules, let's just call the Bible and the commandments and the things that are expected of us from Jesus, right? To love each other the way that we love the church. Let's just go there. That's a big one for me, right? Because there are some people that I think just need killing, you know, and um, I, I don't make bones about it. And, and it's a process that I work through. I die every day of myself to give myself. That. This is not something that you overcome. Um, it is something that you learn to manage very much like PTSD. So as the Lord opens that door and starts introducing me to these people, um, this class develops, this immersion class that we're doing, developing high performance. We write the book, Developing Firefighter Resilience. Um, I'm a pretty smart dude, but I'm not that smart. And not only that, my ego has been put in check so many times that I have been humiliated so many times that when I came to the Lord, I realized, oh, one more thing I've been doing wrong. See, I don't mind being the mouthpiece. I do not like the attention. I don't like notoriety. I'm not interested. I don't care. I'm almost, I would rather people didn't know who I was. See, because the humility has what is what has helped me to become the kind of man that I am. God gets all the glory. I want none of it. I'm really not responsible. He put those, my high school diploma. That's what I got, high school diploma. And I, I sat on a panel with Washington State University Psychology because I'm the last guy that they're interviewing. Panel of one, two, three, four, five. I'm number six, right? And the guy walks up and holds my mic. He goes, this is with George. He's from Palm Beach County. Uh, Rick, what's your degree in? What's your area of expertise? And I'm like, well, my area of expertise is resilience, and uh, my degree is in HSD. And he's like, oh, I, I've never heard of that. What is that? And I said, it's a high school diploma. And there's 250 <laughs> clinicians out there. <laughs> and a guy's like, oh, he's a funny guy, too, you know, and, and whatever. And there's like five or six firemen sitting in the corner over there just listening. You know, and they're, they're dying. They're, I think a couple of them wet themselves, right? And um, and the guy goes, oh, really? What's your degree? And I go, really? It's a high school diploma. And now you could hear a pin drop. But inside, I'm laughing. Because God does not call the qualify. He qualifies the call. And that's what, if nothing else, I want everybody else to hear that. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Surrounding yourself with the right people. God will move you in directions that you should be bold in going because he has already qualified you and will open the doors. Perhaps, I didn't ask to be put on that panel. They asked me to join me. And I got to explain that 
all of these things, these brilliant people sitting to my right with the alphabet behind their name have talked about are theories and research and physiology of how things work. I said, and I have this ability, this gift to be able to read these things and put them together in a way that functions and makes sense for us, the fire service. Um, only because I had been broken through all of that to get to this point, to understand it, to be rebuilt again, to allow him into my life, to inspire him. George isn't that smart. I have an IQ. Yeah, I'm good with that. But not like this, bro. Not like this. This God gets all the glory from all of it. And some guys will tell me, oh, you're just being too humble. That, that You're overboard. No, I am not. You have no idea. It's almost blown my brains out twice. I've been through this my second marriage. I almost, we almost ended up in a divorce in the second And it was because of the Lord that I went to my pastor and talked to him. I said, hey, what, you know, what am I going to do? He's like, well, you got to stand in the of the fire. No what do I do? <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and he was like, well, let's take this. We sat there for about an hour. Why? And it came down to recommitting myself to the Holy Spirit. So when my wife said something that I don't like, or she's not bringing something, then I need to understand the position that she's feeling. And if it's the intimacy that I want, then I need to bring that. If it's more love and affection that I want, then I need to bring that. If it's more honesty and communication, then I need to bring that. And the reason hey, is because Rick, I want to, I want to, I want to say something real quick because there's a couple yeah, of things that you touched on that. Um, Give me a we've chance to light about, my cigar if you do. <laughs> we uh, we've covered in the past. So I had a I had a time. I had a season. I'd call you. I had a difficult time, and um, there was a few people who were trying to make my life miserable. And it was mm. you that said these words to me, which I thought were powerful. And you talked about it. You know, God wants us to love others the way He loves the church. And here's what you said to me. You said. And I'm looking for advice on how to how to navigate this difficult time. And you asked me if I had ever prayed prayed for that man. And I said, Why would I pray for the man? I, I don't even want him to be alive. And it was a it was it was a powerful concept because that is what we're called to do. And yep. that love that love part is hard because we want to win. We want to be right. We we deserve whatever we think we deserve or whatever should be ours and you know, that's all based off of happiness. And I think one of the biggest problems we have in this world is we don't think we should have any problems. And when you live life going around thinking that you're not supposed to suffer and you're not supposed to endure and you're not supposed to have hardship, once you attach to that, you're already miserable because it's yep. inevitable that you're going to walk through those storms. And what I love about what you're talking about, especially in this most recent season where you're talking to your pastor and you're considering divorce is we think that we're supposed to be happy. Like we're put on this earth and our whole goal in life is to be happy. And happiness is based off of the circumstances around us. It's about our people, you know, meeting our needs is, is everything we want to accomplish being accomplished is our, you know, do we have the wind at our back running downhill? And the reality of it is the majority of life is the wind in your, is in your face and you're running uphill and what you're talking about is joy, and you have joy because you know ultimately who's in control of this whole thing, and you know yourself well enough, you know, 
looking at suicide twice, that background you have where you have your friend getting murdered, that all that all that suffering and all that pain and all of that is purposeful so that God could refine you into the man who could sit up on a panel with a high school diploma with the humility that comes from experiencing all those things. I mean, that, and that's it. That's God, man. Like we, we talked about this before we got on here. We said your life, God loves you so much that your life's going to turn out nothing like you planned it. Right. It's like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's so true. We got another another (laughs) saying, you want to hear God laugh, make plans. Right. So man, you know, so now you're, you're talking to your pastor, you're considering going through a second divorce. You know, what are some of the things you had to realize? Because that's a big thing in the fire service, right? Like divorce is prevalent. Um, mm. It's something that is an option early on when things aren't going people's way. And, you know, what was it that you had to do that, that look in the mirror that you had to take? What did you figure out about yourself to kind of begin to work through? Because I know you're still married and I'm, God bless yep. you, because that's yeah, amazing. we're doing great. We just got back from Montana and had a freaking trip of a lifetime. Man. It was phenomenal. Loved it going back we'll be back uh so there's some there's some things that had to set there were some things that foundationally i had to develop to get through this season and i didn't know because it's god's plan right he's preparing me through this whole thing i'm in a bible study have been for i don't know eight ten years now maybe longer and with a group of guys that are just, uh, they're just some hard hitting knuckleheads, you know, and love, they just love the Lord. You know, these are, these are, you know, guys you would look at and go, that guy is a Christian. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's a good, you know, we, our saying is, you know, uh, Christian enough to love you, thug enough to punch you in the throat, you know? And, and so, um, that's the group that I'm with. And, and, um, the, the, Understanding scripture, understanding how it applies to my life, understanding that that is the living word, which is just a whole nother concept that I just could not wrap my brain around. And you're not going to until it's because it's all revealed in layers. You know, it's like life, it's revealed over time and experience, you know. And so um, those things were very important. Understanding that that prayer isn't not necessarily me asking for God or listening for answers is to remind myself I'm not in charge, you know, and it, and it's a very grounding thing and to start my day that way and to look at things from that perspective of develop your faith and understanding that, you know, I, I have to go through repentance before I go through baptism. You know, that baptism is to be renewed again. Symbologically, it's done at the beach or in water or whatever. But it it signifies the rebirth, you know, of your mind. Consequently, we teach, you know, preparing your mind for where the body's going to have to go. The Bible talks about renewing the mind, you know. And so those things were foundational because I had to to learn that there was a creator, that there was a God. Um, And it was... It was made easier because of the amount of time in the fire service. I have seen evil up close and personal. So if there is evil, there is good. Where does evil come from? Where does good come from? We like to blame God for everything that goes bad in the world, but we never give him credit for things that go good. You know, and he uses all things for his good. So I had to learn about the devil. 
And when it came to the saying, the devil is in the details, I don't want to say weak link, but I'm going to use it for lack of a better example. Um, when my wife does something and she's really activated and she comes at the emotion and it triggers me, that's the devil. He doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to be successful. He doesn't want us to be fulfilled. He does not want my relationship. He wants me to drop my faith and live from emotion and reaction and live as the way this world wants me. What I mean by this world wants me to live, it's this whole woke mentality that, you know, we are God. We are not. And I know this because I'm 65 years old and I've never experienced And if you don't believe me, just believe that I believe. Okay? And really, that, that, that's it. I'm not going to knock you because everybody's got a journey. It's an incredible journey. And it's, and it's difficult because it is about suffering. The gift of suffering. I still have the shirt. You know? It's about sacrifice. It's about discipline. Um, and it, it's a lot like the fire service. It's the exact same stuff in the fire service. You come in this hard hitting, hard charging, and as you get older and you go through it, things change, man. You understand? Hey, Rick, I want, I want to, I want to touch on that real quick. I didn't mean to. Yeah. I think what you said, and I, man, I can't agree with you more. If you look at a lot of the challenges people are facing today, is they're making themselves their own god. They're idolizing themselves, right? And when you do that. When you do that, it is such a shallow existence. It's there's no depth to that, and it's because what happens is the emotions, the emotions start to come in, and you realize like, well, if I'm if I'm in control of all these things, if I'm ultimately the one that's you know in the whole self book movement that took place a hundred years ago, and the self help books, those books are great, and those books have their place, but those books focused on you're in control, you're in control of everything. This you're, you know, you're the one that's going to make, and it's, it's the problem that we have is that we believe that we are, we are gods and in the current state we have with social media and all the things where people could put themselves out there as this, you know, thing to idolize as this, as this person to be, to look, to look to, uh, it's real simple. You're not, you're not, none of us, none of us are God. And that's that ego and that pride. And let's just call it what it is. That's the devil. He wants, because right. if you could focus on yourself, that means you're not focusing on God. If you could that's be right. self, if you could be self-centered and selfish and not have that servant's heart, well, guess who you're not focusing on? And guess what? He'll even give you some, he'll even reward you for that. He'll, you'll, you'll get some, and he'll be like, this is working great, man. I'm, I'm in control. And man, when you said that, I, I just wanted to go circle back to that because it's such an important part of, I think, why we see so much pain in the world right now with people is because they've made themselves their own gods and it's not working. I 100%, bro. Listen, how can you believe in me when you seek and receive glory and approval from one another? And yet, you do not seek the glory and approval from where from where it comes. From the one and only God. That's John 5, 44. And, and so when I tell you that scripture has the answer to all of my problems, I'm not bullshitting you. I got no reason to bullshit you. I really don't, you know, one side of me says, I don't give a damn what you think. And the other side of me is like, but 
if you want, if you reach out, my hand is here. You know, I'm all about it, but I'm not going to waste time with those that are not interested. You know, and and I don't mean that. I don't mean that you're not relevant. I'm just saying that. So I let me. So back to the divorce thing. So when I realized when the pastor and I were talking about this, and I was like, I got it. I, I just sat back. I go, I got it. Kind of startled him, you know. He's like, uh, he's like, all right. Well, tell me about it before you leave. And I said, you've just identified who I have to wage battle against. The devil is trying to come in and step into my family where he don't belong. He ain't welcome. It ain't his family. It's the Lord's family. See, so now I have to fall under the purview of of Jesus. Jesus falls under the purview of God. My wife falls under my purview only when I am under the Lord's purview, right? If I step outside of that, she ain't got to listen to me, bro. It says that that woman was put here for man to take care of and to, to lead and to, you know, all that. Everything on the earth is under man's dominion, including women. Only if you follow the Lord's word. That's it. And and I, I'll be honest with you, who, I don't mind following anybody if they're following that word. I'm, I'm good because I need to surround myself with men like that. Rick George has this screwed up brain that tells him retarded stuff like let's go to a titty club or let's go drink or let's go get some weed let's go party let's go punch that guy right in the freaking mouth he is 65 years old he has no idea what kind of freaking frustration you can unleash for a good 30 seconds you know <laughs> uh, my, my mind is so full of shit i can't trust it so i have to be around like-minded men and surround myself with this Right, and that's what the apostles did. They all went two by two. Everybody, we call that strength. We call that fire company. You don't fight a fire alone. You do that alone. That's called freelance. And I, I forget about the whole volunteer aspect. That's out of necessity. Okay, but this is not. This is this is. I'm talking about the career fire service. Right. There is a way that NFPA says you have to do this, and this is as a group, as a team, as support. And and it's the same damn thing. And what is the what is, the, what is the officer in charge? The officer in charge is the pastor. He's the guy that's going to be guiding all of his sheep, his flock, right, through this fire, right? And make no mistake that, that we call the guy on the roof with the hook the shepherd, you know? I mean, there, there are so many symbological things that, that go on. Is that even a word, symbological? So there are so many things that are symbols that, that traditionally through the fire service that play out. And look at the freaking original Halligan. Ad majorum the glory, all the glory goes to God. That was that was that was Chiefs Halligan's initials on there, and what that meant. He used to make wooden crosses for everybody, but I guess they just at the NY got so big, he just he ran out of blades and wood or something. You know, it was just easier to produce Halligans like that. But what what, what concept, right? That you would have that strength to support you. I did not really have the strength that I have now towards the end of my career with me with regards to faith it was the beginning of it there was a buddy of mine his name is lee and uh, he was the oncoming driver i was the offgoing and we would sit out in the bay and we would talk and we, we would uh, here's another christian um he'd been through a couple of tours and came back and he's uh he was tortured at the time but he was very very much immersed in the word he was just he was uh, he was doing it and um i kept telling him how frustrating it was because i kept falling short right I don't care if it's a 
violence, uh, the food that you eat. Um, you know, I was doing everything alcoholically. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's flirting or whatever you're doing. Anything within the sex realm, the violence realm, the overindulgence realm, um, any of it, substance abuse. And I would tell them, I go, man, I just, I, I feel like it's such a hypocrite because I keep falling back and making mistakes and I want to be this man and I'm struggling. And he said, stop right there. I'm like, I'm listening. He said, that's the devil trying to convince you that you're not worthy and you're never going to do it because what you're trying to do is impossible and none of us ever succeed on it. Only one succeeded. And he was resurrected and left us with the Holy Spirit for freaking strength to be able to get us through these things and get better a little at a time. But there is always going to be challenges, sacrifice, sadness, pain, endurance. And with that comes a lot of joy and love and peace and honor. And, and I just looked at him and I was like, oh my God, you're right. Once, so once again, it's brought to my mind that the battle that I have is a spiritual battle. If I don't look up and look in, I can't go outward. I have to look up, look in, and then out. And then my day and whatever it is that I'm doing is set. Fortunately for me, I can look at neuroscience, look at neuroscience and read these things. And so I can tell you how we're hacked emotionally. I can tell you how the breath works physiologically in this and that, but one of the biggest pieces and the most important piece is the spiritual nature that each of us have that is underdeveloped. That needs to have the major focus. So that's that brings me full circle to where we are now. You know, and, uh, and we pray together, my wife and I. We pray out loud. We pray over meals. We pray over our kids. My kids ask me, you know, Dad, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? It's just always the same thing. Come to church with me. I go to a church where uh, it, it is uh, they read from the Bible, and um, pastor talks about his uh, his past and how he applies this to his life and the challenges, and talks about other men that he knows, and he brings guest speakers in and such. Really, really, I love the format, and the guy is legit. Save my life, you know, ten. 12 years ago, I was in. A, I was heading into another really dark, dark time. Man, that place saved my life. And, you know, that, that's kind of where I wanted to, the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, I don't know how much time you've got left for us to go. Yeah, but. no, we're going to, if you're good, uh, I know you have an appointment in the, in the no, next. No, I'm good, man. Okay. Just so 45 minutes away. Here's, here's the thing that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about. As a firefighter, you know, we see things, we hear things, we smell things that the majority of the, the world will never experience. Mm. And, you know, when you were online, when you were running those calls and you talked about you saw the evil and you saw the good, I I don't know how anyone does the work that we do without having faith. I don't know how they do it. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying that in a way to to criticize. I'm just saying that's what I've experienced personally, that 
I look at the fire service and what it represents. And if we're doing the job right, if we're showing up prepared, if we're doing everything we need to do, how much that lines up with God's word and that servant's heart and all those things that call at three in the morning where someone has vomit all over themselves. I'd be lying, man, if I didn't have to think about Jesus sometimes in those moments and think about what he went through so that I could be in this position. You know, the pain that he experienced so that I could be uncomfortable for 15 minutes and just circling back to him as my example so that when I have those shifts that are long and hard, you know, it it really puts it in perspective for me. Or when I see these terrible things, I'm able to know ultimately who's in control as horrible as they are. I know there's a purpose behind it all, you know. Talk to me about how you leaned on that throughout parts of your career. Because I know some parts of your career you had, you know, your faith was stronger than others. You know, can you can you kind of look back and see how you handled things when it was strong and how you handled things when maybe it wasn't where it needed to be? Yeah, when the way I handled it where it wasn't where I needed it to be uh, was from a defiant perspective. Um, it was a, an emotionally charged, defiant perspective. If it affected me and I cried, I allowed myself to cry, and I dared you to say something about it because you were going to be eating your teeth, you know? Um, and and I was just this defiant. It was just ingrained in my brain, you know, this defiance. So I, uh, as things came about, I would uh, pray for people, and and I so my prayer was it, it, my prayers were I don't pray that way anymore. But at the time, I would pray for people what I thought, of, you know, rather than allowing the Lord to come in into their lives and you know do His magic, do His work, do His miracles, and um, and I never prayed for protection for myself or the guys that I was with and this and that and, um, because. We didn't need it. We were hard hitting, knuckle dragging, you know, truckers. You know, it didn't, you're not going to hurt us. The arrogance, the defiance, you know. Um, and so later on in uh, in my career, a lot of that changed. And uh, I had a list. It was a pretty long list. My name of people that I would pray for. And uh, the, the, the problem with my uh, praying the way that I'll, I'm just going to say that I prayed incorrectly, okay, because it's not how I pray now. The way I pray now is very different. Um, and and what my faith was and what I believed, right? Because inherently I knew what's a fire service all about. It's about the sick, the weak, right? It's about the children. It's about the widows. It's about, you know, the elderly, right? It's in the Bible. That's who we take care of. That's in the Bible. Um, and I'm not going to quote the scripture, but you know what? I challenge you to find it. Go Google your little fingers off, anybody who ever's listened. But the, so I, I knew that and I was okay with that. You know, that's why I got into this gig. I love that. I love it. I get to fight and I get to stand up for innocent people and not be on the wrong side of the law. But sign me up, man. You're actually going to pay me for this? I'm in, you know? And so, the, the the turning point was the men that I started associating with 
through my church, through my Bible study, really started to change my perspective and my understanding and my development of how to pray, how to renew my mind, how to hold my family, how to hold myself accountable to the Lord um, and his presence, because he is my boss. So I have to hold myself accountable to him. And, 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 and it's not easy, right? Because you can't see my boss, but you will one day, you know, if you're lucky. And, and, but, and I just, you know, I'm not scared. I, I am. I'm scared that my faith will never be strong enough. So there is a little fear, but I'm not scared about, I'm not scared about my God. I know that anything that he puts in front of me is for my own good or for the betterment of everybody. And it's in his best good to do what he's doing. Right. So if I've got to suffer in order to get some things moving along, I'm in, sign me up, send me, I'm good. You know, um, I may not see it like that, but that's the reason for having the men. That's what shifts your perspective. And it's the right people, John. You know that. I mean, we start associating with people. You start listening to the things that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. And it comes up in words and conversations in your mind. John, do a podcast. Come on, bro. Who, if, if somebody would have come up to you 20 years ago or 25 years ago and said, you're leaving Florida, 30, however many years ago, you're leaving Florida, you're going to go to Denver. And you're going to start a podcast about the Lord, and you're going to be a well-respected member of the fire service. You'd have been like, bro, what are you chewing on? What are you smoking? Whatever it is, pass it over here, you know? You know, I mean, and then the endurance that we have to develop to go through the things that our children go through. That's probably one of the most painful things that we'll go through. You know, it's, um, and even when your children are grown and gone, um, You know, I'll share something with you that uh, is is a memory that I have. It just uh, it's like it happened this this morning. Um, It was an officers' forum, so it was just we were down one man on the rig, and um, I was the officer, the senior man, and the driver, and I had a fireman with me, and we ran, you know, with the rescue with us and. They, they got tied up on a call, and we were running a uh, signal set, dead person. So we get there, and there's cops all over. It's in the hood. And uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking overdose, some shit like that, right? Oh, no. It's a woman in her early to mid-30s, and um, she has a, a – uh, it's a butcher and it's probably about 14 inches long, maybe longer. And it goes through her temple, and it's buried into the wood on the floor. And her neck has been hacked at. So her head is almost off her shoulders. And that didn't bother me. That's not what I'm tearing up about. And I look up, and there's a guy in handcuffs sitting in the kitchen. And the top, I go, I think I did this. He goes, yeah. And I lost, I started losing my shit. I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Are you fucking kidding me? 
it's not even a rookie that I'm exposing to this bullshit. This asshole's fucking sitting here watching the whole sense. You see what you did, motherfucker? Oh, I lost my shit, John. The cop's like, whoa, Ricky, calm down. I'm like, calm the fuck down. What kind of signs that are incompatible with life do you not fucking recognize here? It is not attached to a shoulder. It's stuck to the floor, you know? And I got fucking that, in, that, that indignant, self-righteous bullshit. Here's what it cost. We're leaving. And the rookie's like, why, why are we leaving? I said, because I don't want to fucking be here when the media gets here. I don't want to fucking talk to them, you know? And um, so we're walking out to the truck, and this car comes screaming in the parking lot. And it gets thrown in the drive while it's still moving. I can remember the noise the transmission was making. Click, 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 as it's putting it to a stop. The door flies open, and this young black girl jumps out and starts running, and the cop grabs her. And I'm like, got to be the daughter or a relative, somebody. And um, as I'm walking by, I see this other young girl sitting on a parking stone. But her... her, her head is in her knees, and uh, and she's crying. Like to look of terror on her face, I'll never forget. And um, I just remember making a mental note of it. And it wasn't until the next day when I was at home in the process that I realized I wasn't there for that woman with her head stuck and to do that shit. I was there for this fucking girl who was sitting on the parking stuff. And I fucking missed it. I missed it. And that was her sister that jumped out. That was the youngest daughter. That was the boyfriend who she had a restraining order that murdered mother. It murdered their mother. And the youngest sister was sitting there. The older sister just came back. Had the family call. Now those two girls have orphan. You know? Um, and I, I missed it, John. I, you know, that's, that's where not being grounded not being, and, and it, see, there's an internal situational awareness and an external. And, and the internal is not just your mind. Okay? It's, your, it's your spiritual condition. My mind works based off my spiritual condition. If my spiritual condition is sound, my thinking is renewed and I'm good to go, I wouldn't have missed that. But I wasn't. I allowed my emotions to get high. And I was like, what the fuck, really? You know, and that's where it all went downhill from there. And Rick, I'll never I want to forget that. I thank you for sharing that. I know that wasn't easy, man. That's and this having that ability to connect the dots on that because that's God, right? When you're home and you're mm-hmm. reflecting, that's God, right? He's He's teaching you something. I love yeah. that spiritual condition and that internal situational awareness. And I want to I want to talk about that spiritual condition. What are the things that you do? And what are you, what are the things that you'd recommend? Cause I'm a big, and we've talked about this. I'm a big believer that our inputs, the things that we take in, create our output, the books we read, the people we surround ourselves with, like we have, com- we have complete control over how we see things 100%. and that does influence our spiritual condition, which then influences our internal situational awareness. Those that's powerful, man. That if nothing else came out of this and there's a lot that has, that is very important for people to hear is that internal situational awareness. I think that is 
I've never thought of that. It's the first time I heard that. Thank you for sharing that. What do you, what do you believe? Like what, what do you see in your own life that helps you recently challenges in your marriage, the times that you struggled over your life? What, what do you do on a daily basis to maintain a, a healthy spiritual condition? So I, I, I read spiritual literature in the morning. Um, I will read the Bible. Um, I will read uh, a number of different things that, um, you know, will help me get my mind right, sort of put me in the right place, right? Um, I, uh, when I read this, I had to look up somebody's name because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them out in a second. I, 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 uh, so I, first thing, first thing in the morning, right? When I was younger, I would wake up, reach for the McDonald's freaking tray underneath my, my bed, and I roll a big fat double ender, and I smoke that blunt and start my day. And that was how my day started. And it was a ritual. Now, um, I take my iPad and I come out to my pavilion or into my office, depending on the weather. And um, after I do my thing and whatnot, and uh, I, I, in the morning, you know, brush your teeth, shave, all that. And, and then uh, I grab my coffee and I sit down and I start reading. And I read until something resonates. Um, and uh, I, I always have a variety of different things to read from. And, and uh, I'm currently uh, reading something that a fireman from Alaska, Bobby Ross, I saw him at the Fools Convention in Minneapolis. He introduced me to a thing called the Wild Man Devotion. And um, so I've been, I've been reading. And, uh, and, it, and it's this guy who's a, a pastor. And he uses no curse words, but he uses like crap instead of the other word, you know, and butt instead of the other word and stuff like that. And he just gives you the down and dirty look. This is where you're at. Why are you being such a, a wussy? You know, he uses that instead of the other word, you know, and 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 he and, and I like that. Right. If it doesn't resonate or it wasn't enough to feed me, I go to you version and I read either from. I have a number of different people that I can read from, you know, um, and there's videos and stuff that I can listen to. And then when I find something that resonates, I just I think about it. how am I going to apply that in my day in the morning, then in the afternoon, then in the evening. So I, I segment my day. So we teach that internal situation and that segmenting in our, our immersion class. And, and, and I use it in my life and I use my phone. Um, my phone, I just got a, a, an alert right now. Um, you know, you, I know you can see it, but I don't know that everybody else can see it. All those, all those gray areas there, those are alerts three times a day to pray. Um, now, I can just check the box like some of our ICs do or some of our people do in the fire service, or I can actually do the deal. This is my challenge every day, three times a day, not including when I wake up in the morning and do that. So I, I set the tone that way. And then I, uh, I'm on a thread with a bunch of guys, these knuckleheads from my Bible group. And, um, you know, I, 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 and there's another thread that I'm on with a bunch of guys from, I go to AA and another bunch of group of knuckleheads that are, you know, believe in God, more loosely defined God for them, um, which is fine. It's part of the journey. And, um, I, I, I read that stuff. So I'm constantly around that kind of thing. Cause if not, 
I'm going to fill it with sports. I'm going to fill it with porn. I'm going to fill it with gambling. I'm going to fill it with all kinds of what kind of what, what gun am I going to buy now? Do I have to buy another gun safe? You know, um, I mean, how much ammunition does one person really bring? You know, um, so, you know, and what what am I what am I placing value in? I think it's it's Luke sixteen fifteen says you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. If I am not doing the work, if I miss those opportunities, because those fucking girls, I may may not have had an impact, but that's what I was there to do. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't it what hurts isn't that I missed it. What hurts is it is that I know the pain. I saw it on their face and I missed them. I, it, it, it hurt them. Me missing it hurt them. Um, so those things keep me grounded. And I got caught up in that, right? And as I'm starting to do that, because towards the end of my career, man, I became that guy I swore I would never be. I'd go take a leap before we got on the truck. I didn't give a damn. I wasn't doing no reports either. I was shut down. You know, and um, I just I became the guy I swear I'd never be, you know, and, and uh, I left shortly after that. But uh, one of the calls we went to was uh, Signal 4 Pedestrian. That could be anything, you know. Well, it was somebody that jumped in front of the train. And uh, I started to have memories coming back. And my buddy was thrown in front of the train. And, uh, so we go there and we, we can't find a piece bigger than your hand. You know, this they just disintegrated. And as I'm walking, because this whole way that I was conditioning myself, right? And the breath, the breath was a key thing. So when I go there and I'm like, okay, what am I missing? Because you have to have the experience, right? You have to have the failure to be able to create success. And and so I'm like, all right, what am I missing? Walk past oh, no shit. I take my flash knife, I flash it in. The attendant comes over, he opens the door, he drops the step. He says, what can I do for you? I says, the engineer in there? He said, yeah. I said, mind if I talk to him? He said, no, come on in. So I came in and he opened the door. And the first thing that struck me was how small the cockpit is on those engines, the, the train engine. It's so small, it's barely enough room for you to get in on your seat, you know? And it, it, you're surrounded by all these switches and everything. And it's a woman. She turns around and looks at me. She's crying. I, Honey, are you okay? She said, that's the seventh person I killed this month. And I said, oh, shit. I looked at my captain. I said, hey, boss. I said, yeah. I said, you think you can get a special detail? I said, no problem. How much time? I said, half an hour, 45 minutes. He gave me an hour and 15. Dispatch was real cool with it. They're real good about that with Palm Beach County. And um, so I sat and talked with her and helped her reframe what she was going through. Um, she thought that she killed these people. You know, and I, I asked her, I said, do, do you have family? She said, yeah. And she was one of the class. I said, I see that you're a believer. She said, yeah. I said, well, why, why don't we pray for a second? So we prayed. And then I started asking her about her family, and she's got, uh, I think she had four kids and a husband. She's married. Um, and I said, how long do you think you're going to do this job? Thinking? She said, I, I don't even know if I can continue. I said, well, I think you should go home today. But I want you to think about this. Those people that you hit, that's desperation. Those people are hopeless. They they did not know what all their light was very, very dim and they succumbed and loved 
wheels. You just happened to be the easy way. They weren't doing it to you, and you didn't do this to them. But the lesson is that you have children and that you can go home, look at those kids in the eyes, and create so much love knowing that there's this type of desperation and hopelessness in the world, and that you can talk to them and explain to them that it never has to come to this, and that they always have the long way to fall back. Even when the family's not around, their foundation is solid, because the Lord is always there, and they will be reunited with everybody, and never to forget that, because now you're taking these experiences and you're bringing it to you, to your family, to empower your family. So you've taken these tragic events and created this loving thing at home because of them. I said, and, and then we walked through her sleep and I talked to her about what she should think about as she's going to sleep and, and reframed all that for her and everything and then getting into a routine and all that. And she just couldn't believe it. She was giggling and she's hugging me. She's like, oh my gosh, you, know, you are you're an angel. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, if you only knew who I was, you wouldn't be saying that. Cause, but there cause it is, brother. There, there yeah. it is, the God. And that's... That's the beauty of this is like, here you are. And I, and when you're, when it's all done, when you're done with that conversation, you're, you're thinking like, God, you, you completely, you did this. You, yeah. you put me here in this moment in time so that I could take that previous experience that haunts me, that haunts me haunting. It's something I think about all the time and be able to think, what am I missing? And I love how you said for us to experience the success, we have to have the failure. And I yeah, think bro. that's where a lot of disconnect happens is that's people, what are walking around, is. people are walking around trying to be perfect. People are walking around trying to impress, worried about what other people think. And nobody's perfect. We're all broken. Some of us just do a better job hiding it. We're all broken. You know, and You know what I did with that, John, on my way back? I ran across five railroad spikes and I brought them back to the firehouse. And so they're like, all right, what happened in there? So I told them the story. And then I handed each one of them a railroad spike and they kept one for me. I said, this railroad spike symbolizes a win. We saved one. So I don't know if they've still got them or not. It doesn't matter. I've got mine. You know, um, it was a, it was a, it was one of those moments where everything kind of came together, and that's that is what the power of being a believer, of believing in, in Jesus and having Him as my Lord and Savior, and listening to the Scripture, and buying into all of this. And the beauty about this this platform that you have is every fireman experiences. All right, you got the hose. Now you got to cross the threshold. You've got the tool. You've got the weapon in your hand. Now you got to cross the threshold and engage into the battle, right? And 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 all of us, you got to force the door. There's smoke. There's heat. There's fire. There's all kinds of stuff coming out. You got to cut the roof. It's the same thing. You got to commit. Firemen are familiar with commitment. Now it's on a spiritual level, and it's probably one of the toughest things that any of us is ever going to face. Well, it's be and and then once you do commit, some believe that life is supposed to get easier. Now that I'm now that I'm, and what happens is your eyes are now open and you're aware of all these things that were just the devil, Satan, 
kept you unaware of. He didn't want you to be aware of all these things. And now you're a believer and it's like the responsibility and God's, God's honor is at risk in our lives and all this stuff that, you know, it's, you carry it. I love it. I love the responsibility, but I'd be lying to tell you that it's easy. It's not, it's, but it's so good and nothing in life good or worth anything has ever been easy. Nothing. So and it's, listen, this is where the support comes in. So you can rely on your family all you want, but what happens if you get in an argument? Right. So I've got on Monday night, I've got on Sunday, I've got the group of guys that I see at church. Monday, I've got my Bible guys. Tuesday, I got my, my men's group. There's probably 50 to 75 men, you know, that, that are, I can rely on there. Wednesday night, I've got a meeting at my house with a bunch of, uh, military, law enforcement, you've had to have taken an oath, and it's a buddy check. We come smoke cigars, eat food, and we just check in with each other and stuff. That's what I'm saying about supporting yourself with with other like-minded righteous men, because you're not going to do this alone. You're not going to fight a fire alone. You're not going to win that battle alone. You're not going to win this battle. You have to have the support. have to. And that's Let me put it, it this it, way. Let me put it this way. Was it? Would, correct me if I'm wrong. The verse says the the Bible roams the earth like a roaring lion, waiting to devour its next prey. You ever see a lion hunt? It stalks the herd and waits for the weak one or for one to be isolated, and then attacks the isolated. Don't let yourself become isolated. You're not going to win this fight. No, he's undefeated. There's a battle going on, man. There's a battle going Amen. on right now. And it's it's the, the, the number one way I believe Satan begins to work is he brings your attention towards things that are not in line with God's word. He brings your attention sure. towards yourself. He makes you selfish. Uh, he mm. allows emotions to run your life. Uh, like almost brings you to the animalistic instinctual response to things where everything is just, I see this, I need this, I need to do this. And there's no filter of, of the God of God's word that this stuff is being run through. It's because it's, it's going on. And if anyone allow you to be successful just to get you to buy in, you know, there's a difference between success and fulfillment. 100%. Yeah. Well, brother, I, I don't, I don't know what to say other than thank you for being willing to share the power of Jesus in your life and how thank that's you. impacted you. It's um, I've I've been looking forward to this, man. I love this. I would love to be back. I love that. Even if I'm just listening to you know whoever, I gotta, I need you to put me on your thing there so I can start listening to the. I love this. Well, here's it, the thing. Just, we'll have you back on because. Um, I'd like for you to co-host one with me. I want you to bring on somebody that you believe would have a great testimony. I know we've talked about a couple of guys already and you come yep. on, we, you could sit right there in Florida. I'm here in Colorado and wherever they live, we can, we connect all of us and uh, yes. I'd love for you. I'd love for you to co-host an episode or two with me and uh, bring, I bring, would be honored, bro. That is wonderful. Bring some and of your brothers gonna, on. I want to talk to you about, uh, something once we're off the air because i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to lose the surprise ability just in <laughs> case you're available so yeah well brother i want to say i want to share one thing one last thing before we we close this out uh, i love how you talked about the orphans the children the widows 
and how we're called to serve. It's in the Bible and how you said we have to fight for them. And I don't, I don't know that we attach to the fighter in our title enough, firefighter. Like that's what we are. We're fighters. We're fighting for those in need. And that is something that I really believe if we did, and we looked at what does it take to fight for those that are in need? It does take that prepared, being prepared mentally, physically, spiritually, and, and what we do on a daily basis matters. I, I don't, I don't know, or maybe I'm off here, but who we are outside of the fire service is going to matter in a moment in time on a call. There, you, there's, there's no separation. There, there's what, not. There's one no distinguishment. One of the greatest compliments you could ever receive is you are the same guy in the firehouse that you are with your family. You're back. We lost you for a second, but that, 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 that idea of being the same person in the fire, because it's really easy to get in the firehouse and, and start to detach from that walk, you know, the God's word surrounded by, look who you're surrounded by, bro. It's not those people that we talked about before. Right. That's how easily we're influenced. That's how easily the mind is hacked. So true. Don't let your guard down. Don't, a, a good fighter, the Greeks, never let their guard down. Always surrounded. That was that was their way of life. That was the societal norm. That is not ours. It used to be, but it's not anymore. Rick, before we close out here, if anyone wants to reach out to you, they want to have a class uh, at their department. Um, they just want to talk about their faith, whatever, whatever somebody wants to, to connect with you about what, how, what's the best way for people to, to find you? I'll give you my phone number. Five, six, one, two, three, nine, one, nine, zero, eight, five, six, one, two, three, nine, one, nine, zero, eight. And my email address is surf dogs, the plural S U R F D O G S followed by the number four at yahoo.com surf dogs for yahoo.com. If you're looking to improve your mental and physical fitness, join our community. For only $5 a month, the cost of a cup of coffee, you'll receive a workout of the day, seven days a week, a daily inspirational message, seven days a week, a monthly training. But more importantly, you'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded firefighters, all on the same mission to become the best versions of themselves so that they can serve their community and their families at the highest level. Head over to patreon.com backslash fit to fight fire and join our community.